0: Here we go. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth, and I pray that you would take what is yours and you would sink it deeply into our hearts. Uh, Could we learn from these men and women who have walked with you before us? Uh, May we learn the things that they did well and copy them, and may we see the things uh, that they didn't do so well and be warned by them. Uh, We love you, and we pray that you would do that through the power of your indwelling spirit, please, and we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, a little humor to get us started. Can, Can you read that? Next, four sinners compete to incur the wrath of Yahweh on Old Testament idol. All right. It's kind of funny. It is a little bizarro. We are studying Genesis, the family tree of faith. We started with 1 through 11, and we were not created by accident. We were created on purpose. We were created by God and for God and for his use. Something bad happened in 1 through 11. What was that? Sin. Sin came in. Sin is bad. Okay, that's kind of like a 101 in here. Sin is bad. Sin is never good. Sin bad. Sin came in in chapter 3. It threw the whole human race into chaos and corruption and death and destruction reigned. And then God picked one man, Abraham, in Ur... As Cody read this morning, we've already seen that, told him to go to Haran. Well, if I do it from your direction, told him to go to Haran, and he told him to leave everything, and that took a little while to happen, and then Abraham went down here, and then there is a famine, right? And so Abraham goes to Egypt. He happens to pick up someone down there named Hagar. That didn't turn out so well for him. He should have stayed put, but he didn't. He had this little problem, but anyway, Abraham comes back. He has a son named Isaac. Isaac becomes the covenant heir. Remember Isaac and Jacob sends him up to get a wife uh, from... He sends a servant up to get him a wife. He comes back with Rachel. They get married. They have two children, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau we looked at last week. Well, Jacob and Esau, Esau is... Right now, breathing murderous threats, and Jacob is on the run. And so that's where we pick up the story tonight, and I want to start this way. Now, some of you, I realize this doesn't apply anymore, but let's go back two or three years. Well, let's just ask. How many of you do all of your grocery shopping online these days? You don't go to a grocery store anymore. Oh, really? Okay, this is going to work really good then. You've gotten a hold of a shopping cart, right? And the shopping, how many of you test the shopping carts? You pull it out, you push it a little bit, and if it feels like it's going to do this, you leave it over here and you pull out another one until you find one that's pretty good. Because fighting that wheel that's bent and it always pulls you in a certain direction becomes tiresome, especially when you put like if you put some water on the bottom of the cart or you put in, I don't know, all kinds of heavy things, fighting that thing, it always just pulls in one direction and fights you the whole time you're in wherever you you go. Uh, No advertisements here for grocery stores, just uh, if you go to the grocery store. You can avoid all that by going online and they'll bring it to your door. And... And Walmart will actually, if you let them in, will, yeah. But that's not a plug for Walmart, so that's certainly up to you. Family tree of faith, Jacob is the shopping cart you don't want to get. All the rest of the shopping carts are gone. You know that one that's sitting there is the one everyone else has tried and not wanted to use, and that's the only one left, and you are going to have to use it, and that thing fights you from the beginning until the end. That is Jacob. He is always pulling away, pushing away from where he's supposed to be going. That is a little bit, that's the analogy for Jacob. So, whatever became of Abraham? Remember, he started late and finished great. But Abraham taught us that faith is living without scheming. Remember, that was the big lesson for Abraham. Faith is living without scheming. So, whatever became of Abraham? Well, Abraham lived a great life, got a covenant, a very special covenant, whole key to the Bible, especially the key to the Old Testament called the Abrahamic covenant. Cody, in fact, mentioned the three things. I didn't even have to call Cody at 2 in the morning. He got them right this morning. Land, seed, blessing. Now, here's the harder one. There are three characteristics about the Abrahamic covenant that all start with a U. No, 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 do not look back at your notes. I see some of you. You're like, oh, I'll just refer back to that. No, no, no. At 4 a.m., it will not be sitting next to you. What are they? Unilateral, one way unconditional, no if-thens, unending. It is a forever covenant which includes today. The Abrahamic covenant is still in force today because it is a forever covenant. That's not because I said so. That's because Genesis 17 says so. So whatever became of Abraham, Abraham gets this great covenant, backbone of the whole entire Bible, still in force today. He has a son, Isaac, Isaac comes on the scene. The big lesson from Isaac was great beginnings don't guarantee great endings. Isaac, this man who started so well, perhaps due to comfort and ease, uh, complacency set in on him and decline occurred. Kind of a warning for us. Next comes Jacob and Esau. Remember Jacob and Esau. We looked at them a little bit last week. Jacob... From his mother's womb is chosen over Esau. The younger will be the master in this sense, and the younger will serve the older. Okay? So Esau will serve Jacob. You're going to need to remember that by the time we get into Jacob meeting up with Esau in our lesson tonight. Because remember, over and over, Jacob keeps saying, Your servant, Jacob. Wrong. Esau's your servant. You are not Esau's servant. Mm. Bent wheel, pulling. Mm. Mm. Oh, wait till you... <laughs> this is so good. Jacob is chosen to receive Abraham's covenant promises, but he was a Frank Sinatra. I love it. That works in here. I tried this with 20-somethings. They go... Who's Frank Sinatra? Oh, I kid you not. Oh, it even gets better than that. Now, this one may elude some of you, but it won't. Some of you will get this. I said, or it's just like that guy who turned his name into an unpronounceable symbol. Prince. Now, I had some 20-somethings go, who? A guy who turned his name into an unpronounceable symbol? I said, you've never heard of Prince? No, who's he? Anyway, that's like, so that's why I asked the question about shopping cart because the twenties, no one goes to a shopping, a, a grocery store. They do it all online. Why would I go to a grocery store? Just go here, click, 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 click. Somebody brings it to my door. Woohoo, hoo! Give them a little tip. Life's good. Anyway, Frank Sinatra. What's Frank's one of Frank's favorite songs? I did it my way. That's Jacob. I did it my way. He resists, he runs, and he wrestles with God for 30 years. 30. Uh, let, me, let me finish this slide with this before we get into the big idea of tonight. Uh, there's two things I'm hoping you're beginning to take away from our study in Genesis. Uh, first, these Old Testament saints, please notice what I called them, these Old Testament saints weren't perfect. Have you, have you picked up on that a little bit? These Old Testament saints, saints weren't perfect. That's one. They were sinful men whom God chose to use and bless in spite of themselves not because of it. Second, God is the true hero of every story we're telling. God is the hero of every story we're telling, not the saint. God is the hero, the true hero of every story, and hopefully with each of these lessons, you're leaving, marveling over how God treated these saints who were not perfect. Because if you're getting that, you are discovering from Genesis. Okay, I'd say from Genesis one, but I'll say from Genesis twelve, you are learning what, the, you're learning that God has always been gracious. He has always dealt with people in grace, never by their performance. The people who say, gosh, the, the God of the Old Testament, he's just so different. He's, he's angry like that bizarro cartoon. You know, somebody's going to incur the wrath of Yahweh. You think he's, he's dealt with people based on the law and performance and things like that. It. It's not true. It is not. How does he deal with saints who aren't perfect? By grace. Selah. Whatever became of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, these are the Toledotes we've been looking at. We're in Jacob's Toledote tonight. Here's the big idea on Jacob. Who's going to run your life? Jacob. Who is going to run your life? You or me, God? Who's going to do it? Now, you know the right answer, but you're going to watch a 30-year history of Jacob coming to that place. 30 years. For those of you who are, are words, not numbers people, if you were 20, you would have learned this lesson by 50. Just to put it into perspective a little bit. This is a long time. Even though they lived longer in our day, this would be a long, long time. It was a long, long time then, but they lived longer. So who's going to run your life? Let's take a look at Jacob. The only thing, I'm going to say this um, probably several hundred more times over the next few months, years, however long it takes us to get through this. I only have really one expectation, hopeful expectation of you is that you would read the chapters before you come. You, you can say, I don't get it. I don't get what I'm reading. Got it. But if you'll read before, then I, I don't have to read. I mean, I don't mind reading all of it to you, but that would take a long time. And when we move into, like, doing Isaiah in two lessons, and we're going to do one through 40 in one night, that would be a lot of reading, so if you can do the reading, just the reading, that's why I tell you at the very end of the lesson, here's what to read for next week, just do the reading, you're golden, okay? You'll have a leg up for what we're going to talk about. All right, who's going to run your life, Jacob? We're going to look at Jacob's life here. I'm going to give you some headings to think through Jacob's life. First, he's a man grabbing blessings, grabbing blessings, his name, Jacob, means something like heel grabber. So he's he's grabbing at what he wants. He's a deceiver. Great name. Let me introduce you to my son, hairy animal and deceiver. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Glad my name's not Jacob or <laughs> Esau. Now, do you know a deceiver? you think, wow, oh my gosh, what does a heel grabber look like? So here's, here's an illustration from my long ago past. I played basketball. At one time, I was taller than most of my peers, so that meant I played center, which is the tall guy who, who jumps the ball in the, at the start of the game. So I got out there, and so here's the line, and so you get up here like this, and the other guy you know, is this way, and you're going to jump up and Right, Tap the ball to your team. Hopefully, that's, that's the goal, is you jump higher and you tap the ball to your team. So, I'm getting ready. You see the ball go up. I do this, and I, I can't get off the ground. He stood on my foot. That's a deceiver. I'm like, ah, I can't get off the ground. He jumps, he taps the ball. I'm like, what happened here? that's cheating. That's a deceiver. Somebody who does, it looks like they're playing the game, but he's not playing the game right. <laughs> he's cheating. He's deceiving. He grabbed my heel, that guy. Wouldn't have helped, but anyway. Yeah, that, that was horrible. I still, my leg, one leg is still longer than the other because of that. <laughs> Jacob was that guy. He is that center who stood on my foot, And when we did the jump ball so that I couldn't jump, that's Jacob. First thing he grabs is the birthright. You'll notice there are two things that Jacob grabs. Back in chapter 25, the first thing he grabs is the birthright. That would have gone to the oldest son, the birthright. It meant he got two-thirds of the estate. He got a double portion. The next thing that he's going to grab is the covenant inheritance. So the first thing he's going to grab, this is what we looked at a little bit last week in chapter 25, the hunter, Esau, becomes the hunted and gets caught in the trap of his own appetite. And so Jacob becomes the hunter, he hunts his prey, he does well, and he gets the firstborn's blessing. That's the first thing, the birthright. That, that's what the first thing he grabs. That's a blessing he wants, and he grabs it. Now, would God have given it to him? Yes. What would he have had to do? <laughs> Nothing but wait. Oh, gosh, are we back to love, joy, peace, Wait. You know, that's a a four letter word for most of us. Wait. See what I did there? That was numbers and a word. W A I T, right? Wait, four letter word. Got it? Okay, good. The birthright. He grabs the blessing of the birthright from Esau. Esau, it says, Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. What does Esau care about the the birthright? Big deal. When daddy dies, whatever, doesn't matter to me. So he shows contempt for his rights as the firstborn. Next thing is then the covenant inheritance, which we spent some time on last week. And so Jacob goes in and grabs the covenant inheritance in this whole elaborate scheme. Remember, Jacob, or um, what's his dad's name? Isaac. Isaac by now is getting blind, right? That will be important for tonight's story too. Isaac is blind. Jacob deceives him. And gets the covenant inheritance. And in so doing, he is the perfect hypocrite. His words and his actions don't match up. Are you Esau? Yes. <laughs> I've put this hair on my arm, see? Just <laughs> <I> like Esau. <laughs> He's the perfect hypocrite. He's playing the part of an actor. He's a deceiver. I need you to get get your arms around Jacob the man, okay? Because remember, saints aren't perfect. Jacob, we're seeing Jacob as Jacob. So he is a hypocrite. He's a deceiver. He's grabbed the birthright. He's grabbed the covenant inheritance. And now in chapter 28, at the end of 27... From that time on, verse 41 of chapter 27, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. This is not good. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Pretty bold. But Rebekah overhears this, so she says to Jacob... If I were you, I'd get out of town. Why should I lose both of you in one day? And you have this picture that Esau is this uh, football player-sized guy. And Jacob is, uh, um, yeah, like Don Knotts. (laughs) Yeah, Wally Cox, Don Knotts, this little kind of tiny frail guy. And you're going, no wonder Jacob has to run and get out of town. What does Jacob do in tonight's story with the cover on the well? What did they have to wait for everybody to show up? Because it was probably heavy. So it took maybe four or five people to lift this thing off. Somebody did it all by themselves. Jacob is not some spindly weakling. That's why Rebecca says, why should I lose both of you in one day? She thought they would fight both of them to the death. And it was going to be a toss-up who who died first. So she says, why should I lose both of you in one day? And then she says to Jacob, or or to Isaac, I'm sick and tired of these local Hittite women. I would rather die than see Jacob marry one of them. So Isaac has a great idea. I know what I'll do. I'll I'll send him back up there and get get a wife. (laughs) Well, good idea. Make my wife happy and get Jacob out of town. Okay. So Isaac called for Jacob, blessed him, and said, You must not marry any of these Canaanite women. Instead, go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your grandfather Bethuel, and marry one of your uncle Laban's daughters. May God Almighty bless you and give you many children, and may your descendants multiply and become many nations. What is that? Seed. May God pass on to you and your descendants the blessings he promised to Abraham. May you own this land while you are now living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. Land, blessing. You see, land, seed, blessing. Just want you to make make sure Cody's not making this up and I'm not making this up. It's right here. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padanaram to stay with his uncle Laban, his mother's brother, the son of Bethuel the Aramean. Esau knew that his father Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him sends him away and says he didn't care for Canaanite women. Uh, He also knew that Jacob had obeyed. And so uh, Esau, mm, mm, being this kind of a brainiac guy, uh, he, he now knows very clearly that his father didn't like the local Canaanite women. So the unchosen son goes to the unchosen line and marries himself another wife. What a good idea, Esau. What are, what are we being told in here? In case you missed it, Esau is not anything close to what's required to be the covenant heir. He just doesn't have the perception or the discernment, spiritually speaking, that Jacob is going to have. So he marries another, uh, another uh, daughter of Ishmael. Meanwhile, verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. Okay, so what's he doing? He's going backwards, right? He's over here, and now he's going back up to Haran. Uh, At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. Funny. Somebody else in the New Testament talks about being a ladder. Yes, his name is Jesus. (laughs) Huh. Wonder where he got that idea. Well, what do we find at the top of this ladder or the top of this stairway? We find the Lord. (laughs) And what is the Lord doing? He announces himself. I, who is, what does Jacob think is happening? He thinks this is the way to get up to heaven. But instead, what does he find out? The one in heaven is coming down to see him. That sounds kind of New Testament, doesn't it? Careful. Don't go there. Okay, go there. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. And I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Jacob, all you have to do is this one thing. Oh, that's not in your Bible either? Yeah, that's not my Bible. What has God just done? He's basically reiterated the Abrahamic covenant to him unilaterally. I will not leave you until I have done for you everything I have promised. End of sentence. No other sentence. What could Jacob have reasonably done in such a case? Thank you, Lord. How, who am I that you would do such great things for me? No? What does Jacob do? Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. Yeah, he has a little problem with awareness too right now. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. So the next morning, Jacob gets up very early. He takes the stone he had rested his head against. He sets it upright as a memorial pillar. He pours olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which is Bait, B E T H E L. Bait L. House of God. Bait L. Bethel. Which means house of God, although the name of the nearby village was Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. Get this. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. What has Jacob given God in return for these unbelievable promises? He's given him a contract. Okay, God, if you'll really do these things, you'll be my God, and I'll give you a tenth. Not, thank you, unbelievable. He makes a deal because he's a shopping cart with a bent wheel, and he keeps pulling to do it his way, and he hasn't learned yet who God is, but he's going to begin finding out. God makes promises to Jacob, but Jacob lacks the spiritual perception and sensitivity he will one day have. God comes to him and gives him promises. Jacob gives God a contract instead of his heart, but he moves forward with some amount of faith anyway. There's the key. Jacob is a heel grabber. He is a shopping cart with a bent wheel. He has a little bit of faith, and he's going to keep walking. Just a reminder, God gives blessings through promise or gift not as as a result of our manipulation or scheming. Jacob is a man grabbing blessings. He grabbed the birthright. He grabbed the covenant inheritance, and now he's trying to make a deal with God because Jacob is a man struggling to surrender. Interestingly, remember in these chapters, Jacob gets a new name. His new name is Israel, Israel, which it can mean either God struggles or struggles with God. I think it means struggles with God, but it could mean God struggles. Either way, you're getting the point. God is struggling with someone. So he's going to be renamed from deceiver to struggler. Well, so what? Well, he's struggling to surrender. (laughs) And even his new name is reflective of the fact that he is struggling to surrender control of his life to God. Oh, boy. Here we go. Chapter 29. Jacob hurries on. He gets to uh, where he's going up in Haran. He finds all the the shepherds and and the, the flocks and the herds. And he asks if they know Laban. Yes, we do. But it's our custom. Don't forget that word. But it's our custom to wait till everybody gets here, and then we'll take off the lid of the well, and then we'll water all the flocks and all the herds all at one time. Well, Jacob sees Rachel uh huh, and decides to lift off the top of the stone by himself, and so he does that. I, I don't know why guys do that, but they do, even to today. I, I don't know. Maybe Rachel thought that was cool. I, I don't know. Uh, but that's what Jacob does. He lifts the thing off, and then he's so excited, right, uh, that, let's see, what does he do? He kisses Rachel. He weeps aloud. And then he explains to Rachel that he was her cousin on her father's side, the son of her Aunt Rebecca. So Rachel runs home, tells her father Laban, what does Laban do? Whoo-whoo! He makes a beeline to the well, because he probably has heard of how wealthy Abraham has become. <laughs> hmm. Laban begins doing this. <laughs> Laban comes out. Oh, did you get this if you read the story? God put a Laban into Jacob's life to teach Jacob the lessons. <laughs> mm. So Laban comes out to the well. After Jacob had stayed there for a month, Laban said to him, You shouldn't work for me without pay just because we're relatives. Tell me how much your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah, and the younger one was Rachel. Uh, Various ways you can translate what happens, what this saying or what this statement means, Um, and so I'll leave that up to you. I like how the New Living Translation has handled it, and they say there was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. But Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her, Father, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than anyone else. Stay and work for me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can marry her. So Laban invites everyone to the uh, in the neighborhood to the feast that night when it was dark Jacob thank you I wasn't ready for that yet but let's go ahead and do it It's dark Jacob is essentially blind Oh oh, oh, oh oh yes Jacob now is essentially blind And what does Laban do He sends Leah into the tent And Jacob sleeps with her When Jacob wakes up in the morning It was Leah I mean it's like shock It was Leah Okay What have you done to me Jacob raged at Laban I worked seven years for Rachel Why have you tricked me Oh, who is saying that to whom? (laughs) It's not our custom to marry off the younger before the older. Work for me another seven years, and I'll give them both to you. (laughs) For every Jacob, there's a Laban who's better, who's going to school Jacob in what deceit and hypocrisy look like. (laughs) Okay, so it's not the custom. Wait until the bridal week is over, then we'll give you Rachel too, provided you promise to work another seven years for me. So Jacob agrees to seven more years. Uh, he, so then he gets Rachel also, uh, and there's a couple of maids that go with that. All right. God begins schooling Jacob. Gosh, think about this. Okay, here's Isaac. So you're Isaac, and perhaps you're um, you're not who you used to be spiritually speaking. So you're, you're blind, not only blind physically but blind spiritually. To you're blind to what you're doing, Jacob uh, or uh, Isaac. Okay, so here's Jacob sitting in his chair, his easy chair. He's blind, so he can't see. So God, right, how does Jacob, first he, there's no eyesight, and so Jacob is able to deceive Isaac because Isaac has no eyesight. What other things does Isaac ask for? Okay, let me touch you. (laughs) I'm going to assume (laughs) in the tent it's dark. Perhaps there was some, uh, the sense of touch was going on. Now what else did Isaac ask for? Right? Give me your voice. Now, I don't know if Leah, maybe she just didn't say very much. But she was a willing party to this thing. How else did Isaac get fooled? By the smell. Remember, it was when Jacob came close with Esau's clothes on that he said, Ah, oh, this is my son. And I don't know, it doesn't say, but you just kind of uh, use a little holy imagination here. You're a bride. You are going to get married to this guy, and you are part of the package deal of deceit. That's a pretty good way to start a marriage, I think. But she, Jacob gets deceived in every way that he deceived Isaac. You want to get me when I'm blind? God says, I got a little thing cooked up for you in the dark. You want to test your other senses? handle that one too you won't outwit god and therefore his laban to school jacob you won't outwit god so he begins being schooled by laban then just some other now remember isaac's home okay wasn't uh all peace and unity and harmony if you'll recall from last week so what has Jacob grown up with? Yeah, not such a great model, perhaps. And so what happens in his own family? I, just, I can't even imagine this. Uh, one, uh, so Leah becomes pregnant. And she says, the Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. And she becomes pregnant again. She gives birth to another son, names him Simeon. The first one was Reuben. The Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. She becomes pregnant a third time, gave birth to another son. She names him Levi. Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I have given him three sons. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah. For she said, now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. Leah finally comes to a good place for a, a little while here, anyway. Rachel sees that she's not having any children, and so she waits on God to provide. Oh, no, that's not what it says. <laughs> she becomes jealous of her sister. <laughs> she pleaded with Jacob Give me, can you hear this? Give me children or I die. Then Jacob became furious with Rachel. Am I God? He asked. He's the one who's kept you from having children. (laughs) Probably not a great way to come back at that. But anyway, (laughs) Jacob is learning. Marriage is a journey. And Rachel tells him, I've got an idea. Take my maid, which was socially acceptable at the time. Not a good idea, but socially acceptable. Take my maid. And she'll have children for me. What does Jacob do? Okay. (laughs) If you insist, dear. So she has some children. Meanwhile, Leah realized that she wasn't getting pregnant anymore. So she takes her servant, Zilpah, and she says to Jacob the same thing. Hey, I'm not having children anymore. Take my maid and have more children for me. What is going on with these two sisters? I I get there are certain things I don't get because I'm a boy and not a girl. I get this. So I really don't know what's happening here other than what I read. Uh, Leah is not getting pregnant anymore, and so now she's mad, And she's, so she's getting back at, I don't know who she's getting back at, but it's a competition with her sister, if you haven't figured this out. So one day during the wheat harvest, verse 14 of chapter 30, Reuben found some mandrakes growing in a field. Mandrakes were thought to have aphrodisiac qualities, okay? So who's with Reuben? I mean, whose mother is Reuben? Leah, okay? So Leah, Reuben finds the mandrakes. He's going to take them home to mommy, who is Leah. Rachel begged Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But Leah angrily replied, wasn't it enough that you stole my husband? Now will you steal my son's mandrakes too? Rachel answered, ah, tell you what I'll do. I'll let Jacob sleep with you tonight if you give me some of the mandrakes. Remember what I said at the beginning? Saints aren't perfect. Hopefully you're seeing this. All right. So that evening as Jacob was coming home from the fields, Leah goes out to meet him. You must come and sleep with me tonight, she said. I have paid for you with some mandrakes that my son found. Okay. Can you see Jacob? Okay. Okay. And God answered Leah's prayers. She became pregnant again, gave birth to a fifth son. God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband as a wife. Uh, I know what that looks like to you, but perhaps that's not why God is doing it. We can put things, when we want things, we can begin to connect dots wrongly. Right? Okay. Glad you know that lesson. Uh, let's see. Man, so she has some more kids. Uh, Zebulun and later. Then verse 21, very curious until you keep reading the story. Later, she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dinah. Hmm. Then God remembered Rachel's plight and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. God has removed my disgrace, she said, and she named him Joseph. For she said, may the Lord add yet another son to my family. And so all of that happens. Uh, soon after Rachel had given birth to Joseph, uh, Jacob says to Laban, Let me, I need to go home. I've worked for you now, when you keep reading, for 20, almost 20 years. He's, he's worked on 14 years. He's going to work another six here. He'll have worked 20 years for Laban, and he'll have nothing. He's, he's raised, uh, he's grown Laban's flocks and herds, but he has nothing to call his own to go home. So he says, I need something here for me, because I got a family, growing family. And so uh, he says, please release me so I can go home. And Laban says, whoa, 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 uh, just tell me what wages you want. And so Jacob comes up with this thing, and he says, if the, these things are speckled and these things are black, and if the, you'll always know if I've stolen any of, your, any of your flocks, your herds. And Laban says, that's good. That sounds fair. Oh, no, that's not what Laban does. What does Laban do? Verse 34. All right, Laban replied, it will be as you say. But that very day, Laban went out and removed the male goats that were streaked and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted or had white patches, and all the black sheep. He placed them in the care of his own sons who took them a three days' journey from where Jacob was. What did Laban do that very day?, oh, sure, that sounds like great wages. I agree to that. Well, it'll be as you say. OK, boys, go get the stuff. And he sends the boys in to take all of the things that Jacob had named. And take them away three days. So that what is Jacob starting with? Nothing. He's been outlabeled again. Okay. That doesn't stop Jacob. He takes some fresh branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and... Pe- what? He's peeling sticks and putting them in the watering troughs to, evidently, if uh, the animals see the stripes and the spots, th- they are, will preferentially mate with something with stripes and spots. Hmm. Then Jacob separates those because those are his, and he keeps conniving to figure out how to grow that herd but not to grow any of Laban's stuff. All right. As a result, Jacob became very wealthy. I'm at the end of chapter 30. Jacob became very wealthy with very, with very large flocks of sheep and goats, male and female servants, and many camels and donkeys. Verse uh, Chapter 31. But Jacob soon learned that Laban's sons were grumbling about him. Jacob has robbed our father of everything, they said. He has gained all his wealth at our father's expense. Mm, poor Laban. And Jacob began to notice a change in Laban's attitude toward him. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Jacob, How long has it been since Jacob has heard from God? Twenty years. Twenty years. The situation is beginning to heat up. Laban's sons are not happy. They're grumbling. Laban's attitude has begun to change about Jacob. Who shows up? God. What does God tell Jacob? Hey, Jacob, this would be a good time for you to go home. Jacob says, What a good idea. <laughs> I think I'll go home. So, the Lord says to him, return to the land of your father and grandfather and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. So Jacob called Rachel and Leah out to the field where he was watching his flock. He said to them, I've noticed your father's attitude toward me has changed, but the God of my father has been with me. You know how hard I've worked, and he goes on, he goes on, and God hasn't allowed him to, to uh, harm us or harm me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, let's see drop all the way down to, uh, he says in verse 14, so he's, he's saying we need to leave. Rachel and Leah responded, that's fine with us. We won't inherit any of our father's wealth anyway. He's reduced our rights to those of foreign women. After he sold us, he wasted the money you paid him for us, all the wealth God has given you from our father legally belongs to us and our children. So go ahead and do whatever God has told you. So Jacob put his wives and children on camels and he drove all of his livestock in front of him. He packed all the belongings he had acquired in Paddan Aram and set out for the land of Canaan where he left, where, where his father Isaac lived. At the time they left, Laban was some distance away shearing his sheep. Uh, by the way... Rachel stole her father's household idols and took them with her. What? Rachel did what? (laughs) Jacob outwitted Laban the Aramean for they set out secretly and never told Laban they were leaving. So Jacob took all his possessions with him and crossed the Euphrates River heading for the hill country of Gilead. Laban chases him, finds him, The only funny part in this whole thing is when Laban goes to find the idols and he demands to look in all the tents and he goes into the one tent and Rachel's sitting on the camel saddle um, on top of the idols and she says, forgive me, you know, my Lord, if I don't get up because I'm having my monthly time. Well, if you're in Israel and heard that, you would be that's a pretty vulgar image that that's what is the real worth of those idols they're they're in their appropriate place this is, by the way this is an adult book written for adults you get that this is not the a sunday school book for your children yeah because uh, uh, the uncleanness that's now uh, all around the idols these idols are unclean anyway there's just Moses has written to tell us, (laughs) not good, (laughs) not good, these idols. Okay, so he can't find anything. They make a covenant. They set up boundaries, and phew, Jacob and his family are free, and so they keep moving. Uh, Let's see. Oh, chapter, okay. Wait, what do I want to say about this? Yeah. Okay, God disciplines Jacob through Laban and through Leah. God blesses Jacob with a growing family, but his wives are jockeying for position and status. God blesses Jacob with growing wealth, but he partly attributes it to superstitious methods. Jacob seems to wait for God's direction, but leaves town secretly, and Rachel takes the household idols. Can you imagine breathing a sigh of relief if you're Jacob? It's 20 years. I'm going home. I got a lot of stuff. I got a lot of wives. I got a big family. I'm doing good. Oh, But you know what? 20 years ago, my brother wasn't very happy with me. Mm. The closer I get to home, the more chance I have to run into Esau. Chapter 32, as Jacob started on his way again, angels of God came to meet with him. When Jacob saw them, he exclaimed, this is God's camp. So he named the place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Seir in the land of Edom. He told them, give this message to my master Esau. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now, I've been living with Uncle Laban, and now I own cattle, donkeys, flocks of sheep and goats, and many servants, both men and women. I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. After delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported, we met your brother Esau, (laughs) we met your brother Esau, and he's already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. Yay! Can't wait to see Esau and his 400 men. Jacob was terrified at the news. He divided his household along with the flocks and herds and camels into two groups. He thought if Esau meets one group and attacks it, perhaps the other group can escape. Oh, this is horrible, what Jacob does. And then he prays, okay? So he's come up with a scheme, and then he prays. Uh, and he's really asking for the Lord's intervention. He stays the night. He selects these gifts, and he starts doling them out to Esau. Uh, let's see. He he sends all these servants ahead with, with all these groups and says space, you know, space apart. He gave these instructions to the men leading the first group in verse 17, um, and some details there, and then the second and third do it the same way. Uh, What does the um, second half of verse 20? Jacob thought, I will try to appease him by sending gifts ahead of me. When I see him in person, perhaps he will be friendly to me. So the gifts were sent on ahead while Jacob himself spent the night in the camp. Okay, we're going to, Skip the rest of 32. Go down to 33. Jacob looks up, sees Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servant wives. He put the servant wives and their children at the front. Jacob really did believe women and children first. <laughs> he puts these in groups, and he's at the back. Then he goes on ahead, but first he's putting them in order. Then Jacob goes on ahead. As he approaches his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. They both wept. Then Esau looked at the women and children and asked, who are these? And he goes on. These are the children God has graciously given to me, your servant, Jacob replied. Then the servant wives came forward and they come and they come and they come. And all these flocks and herds I met as I came, Esau asked, they are a gift, my lord, to ensure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted, please take it, and Esau finally does. Verse 12 Well, Esau said, Let's be going. I will lead the way. But Jacob replied, You can see, my lord that some of the children are very young, and the flocks and herds have their young too. If they're driven too hard, even for one day, all the animals could die. Please, my Lord, go ahead of your servant. We will follow slowly at a pace that is comfortable for the livestock and the children. I will meet you at Seir. All right, Esau said, but at least let me assign some of my men to guide and protect you. Jacob responded, that's not necessary. It's enough that you've received me warmly, my Lord. So Esau turned around and started back to Seir that same day. Jacob, on the other hand, traveled on to Succoth. There he built himself a house, made shelters for his livestock, and that is why the place is named Succoth. A couple things. This man struggling to surrender, seen again in meeting Esau, First, he tries to take his brother's temperature. Then he plans to buy him off to appease him with gifts. He plans first and prays second. Then he lies to Esau and moves off in a different direction toward Bethel. And you say, hmm, how do you know that? There's a lot of good Bible atlases. You should get one. Because in it, you'll find a map like this. And if you look at the map, they're coming in the orange from Haran, Remember Mahanaim? This is the place where Jacob says, oh, look. This means two camps, but this is where the angels met him. Okay? Here's where um, Esau meets him. It's kind of around here. And what does Esau do? Esau says, Jacob says, I'll meet you in Seir. Now, Seir is down here in Edom. It's at the end of this reddish line. Where does Jacob go? He goes to Sakoth. He goes to Shechem. I, I'll meet you in Seir. Oh, no, I won't. I'm going this way. You he, he waits till Esau takes the left, and then he goes right. He's lying to Esau <laughs> because he's just prayed to God Oh, God, please help me. And maybe it was even sincere. But what is he trusting in? his plan, his scheme. So he sneaks away or he, he deceives Esau and he arrives. First he goes to Succoth and then later after traveling, having traveled all the way from Badanaram, Jacob arrives safely at the town of Shechem in the land of Canaan. You've traveled from Kansas City to Dallas you have 30 more miles to go to get to Fort Worth, and you decide to stop. That's what Jacob has done. He's traveled all this way, but Dallas is far enough. He's gotten away from Esau. He's not going back to Bethel. He's stopping in Succa. He's stopping in um, uh, Shechem. Okay. Oh my goodness. Now, in Shechem, this is verse 34. I'm going to summarize most of this stuff. Uh, this is far enough. So remember, let's go back. Look at that. He gets to Shechem. Here's a nice blow up. He gets in Shechem. He's supposed to go down to here, to Bethel. But he stops in Shechem because he's gotten away from Esau. He's gotten away from uh, Laban. Now he's gotten away from Esau, and he's over here in Shechem. And what does he do? Oh, it turns out he really has no intention of going to Bethel. He buys property. He buys property in Shechem and settles down. Oh, goodness. So, he seems, so, okay, here's what's bad. Now we find out why Dinah was listed. And Shechem, who is Hamor's son and kind of like the, you know, he's at least the prince, if not the king of Shechem, Nice to name a town after yourself. So he, Shechem really wants Dinah. Now, what is later, what is Israel never supposed to do? Intermarry with Canaanites. Well, what is this? This is an opportunity to intermarry. Who's put the opportunity, who's made this an opportunity for the Canaanites? Jacob! Ah! Okay, Jacob stops. He buys land. He settles down. Dinah is kidnapped. She's defiled. Uh, Her brothers are outraged. And Jacob says, if we do anything about this, you're going to make me a stench around here. And her brothers say, especially the ones from Leah, from her mother, say, my uh, paraphrase, Isn't family worth fighting for? For Jacob, the answer is no. For the sons, the brothers, it absolutely is. So they hatch a scheme. Hey, we got an idea. Let's use this circumcision thing. And that's how we'll enter the bargain with them. And then when they're um, incapacitated, (laughs) we'll take our swords and we'll kill them. So that's what they do. Who put them in this position? Jacob. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, in fact, at the end of uh, 34, 31, but why should we let him treat our sister like a prostitute, they retorted angrily. They cannot believe Jacob is not doing anything about his daughter. This is beyond their comprehension. Okay. Guess who shows up? Chapter 35. Then God said to Jacob, Get ready and move to Bethel and settle there. He commands Jacob to go to Bethel. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob told everyone in his household. Are you reading this? What does he tell them? Get rid of all of your household idols. What? What? This is Jacob, remember? This is a patriarch. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. This is the guy who's getting the Abrahamic covenant. This guy says to his whole entire family Hey, I know it's been about 10 years since Rachel stole the household idols. It's time to bury them. We're going to go meet God. Do you see what's happening here? God says, Come on, come to Bethel and come now. Uh, well, what do I do with these? <laughs> I know, I'll bury them under this oak tree. Oh, okay. Well, what else are we told, who else gets buried under a tree? A beloved nurse. Hmm. Why do you bury things under trees in a place where there's not a lot of trees? I don't know. But I would think in Deborah's case, at least, you probably want to be able to, maybe you want to go back to the tree and, you know, I miss you or something. You, you kind of want that gravesite marked somehow. Hmm. Wonder why Jacob is burying idols under a tree. I don't know. But I can speculate. He needed a landmark so he could go back and find them. but he's going to go meet God first. And so he's got to get clean. So he's going to bury the idols. Okay, everybody, give me your earrings. Give me your, your... These are little handheld idols. So they would have been, you know, like little three-inch kinds of things. And they would have carried them in their hands or whatever. So the earrings were for the women and the, these other things are probably for the men. Whew. Okay, they're going to have to bury all these things. What? Okay, we're now going to Bethel where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress. He has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their pagan idols and earrings, and he buried them under the great tree near Shechem. As they set out, a terror from God spread over the people in all the towns of that area, so no one attacked Jacob's family. Perhaps this is worded as, as they were intending to do. Who put them in this bad situation? Jacob. Who's coming to rescue them? God. Because of how Jacob lived his life? Uh, Absolutely not, in spite of how Jacob has lived his life. Jacob has been holding on to these idols, tolerating them in his own household. Is this crazy? Do you go, who are these people? hmm, we'll get to application in just a few minutes, so you just hold on to that one. So they're going to go back to Bethel. So eventually they arrive at Bethel. Jacob builds an altar. Uh, Deborah dies, okay. Now that Jacob had returned, God appeared to him again at Bethel. And what does God do? Blessed him. Saying, your name is Jacob. But you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel, or Israel, struggles with God. What a good name. So God renamed him Israel. Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants, and I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. Then God went up from the place where he had spoken to Jacob. Jacob sets up a stone to mark that place. Okay. Let's talk about a couple things here. Jacob, just outside of Bethel, has kept idols in his home for ten years. There are still some things in his life that Jacob hasn't discarded And buried. And all of this comes after chapter 32 at Peniel. When Jacob is in a dire situation, he's sent everybody ahead, he's alone, and somebody shows up, a man shows up, and Jacob wrestles with him. And I should say, wrestles with him. They wrestle almost till morning. And what does Jacob say? Tell me your name. Why do you ask my name? Huh? <laughs> what do you mean? Touches him in the, in the socket of his hip. I don't know how many of you have ever had, um, what's one down the left side? Sciatica. It can make it a little difficult to walk, can't it? Well, imagine that. That's what Jacob has now. What's God saying to him? Jacob, no more running. No more running. We're going to do it my way from now on. And yet, God is still patient and waits and works with Jacob for more time than just him getting to Bethel. Now at Peniel, he becomes a man grabbing God. He started off as a man grabbing blessings, Now at Peniel, he becomes a man grabbing God. He wrestles with God. My paraphrase, who will run your life, Jacob? Jacob defends himself, refusing to yield. God touches his hip joint, removes Jacob's leverage, and conquers him like that. All Jacob can do is cling to God's feet and now ask God for his blessing instead of try to grab it He can ask for it. That's all he can do. He has no more leverage. He cannot wrestle anymore because he's only got one leg. (laughs) He'll lose. He's already lost. And so Jacob, for the rest of Genesis, becomes a man waiting on God. Jacob's story continues, but he fades to the background after this chapter. Jacob hears from God before he crosses the line for Egypt in the famine. You remember when we'll get there next week. But Jacob hears from God before he moves. He's grown. He's changed. He worships while leaning on his staff. Why does he have a staff now? Because (laughs) he's got no hip thing, right? I mean, he's got no leverage here. He's, He's having trouble walking, so he has to lean on a staff. So what does he do? He worships while he leans on his staff. Jacob has grown. Jacob has matured. He's become more the man that God wanted him to be. He prophetically blesses his sons as God's people begin to multiply. He does that in chapter 49 of Genesis. God has grown Jacob from a man who grabs blessings by his own schemes to a man who is content to wait on him in utter dependence. A couple of summary things here. Regarding God... In this Toledote, this is how God treated Jacob all of his life. And this is how God has treated you and how he's treated me all of my life. A saint who is not perfect, a saint who knows better, a saint who schemes, a saint who plans first and prays second, etc., etc., And yet God has said, I will not leave you until I give you every promise that I've made to you. I haven't seen all those promises yet. And maybe they don't occur in my life. Maybe they're afterward. But Remember we looked at Ephesians 1, 3. I've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. There's still some blessings I don't have. And maybe there's still some you don't have. What are those blessings? They look like being more like Christ. Are there still a few of those things where you lack a little bit bit of Christ-likeness? Maybe. There's promises God has made to you and me that he's not yet fulfilled. But he doesn't do it for us because we deserve it. He doesn't do it for us because we've earned it. He doesn't do it for us because of our great behavior or our performance. He does it in spite of who we are and how we live. It's our relationship with him that makes all the difference. This is how God treated Jacob, and how he's treated you, and how he's treated me my whole life. This is a story of resisting, running, wrestling, and faith. Jacob has spent 30 years wrestling with God and resisting his will. He's been slow to surrender his heart, his will, his wants, and his idols. The heart of Jacob's problem is a problem of his heart. To save some time, I'm going to finish on this. The rest of your notes contain uh, a little bit of a diagnostic set of questions that you can look at on your own. There's sort of a chart. There's two or three slides of those, but instead of going through those, I'll trust you to look at those on your own. I want to finish with these last two slides. Who's going to run your life? Who is going to run your life? And you say, well, why would you ask me that question tonight? Uh, One, because that's where we are in the Scripture, so I ask you the question that's in front of us. But two, wherever you are, Who's going to run your life? And are you going to rely on scheming, impatience, grabbing, manipulation, whatever? Or are you going to wait on God? Who's going to run your life? So here are some things you can look at on your own. I'm going to go through these very, very quickly, just so you can, you can see. These are your kind of diagnostic questions. I want to finish up on next week. God passes the covenant inheritance from Abraham to Isaac and on to Jacob. Jacob experiences God's blessing in his life, including 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And God sovereignly turns Jacob's resistance into surrender only after Jacob pays a high price. God is preparing the way for this family to grow into his people in Egypt in the book of Exodus. So for next week, read The Life of Joseph, 36 to the end of Genesis. We'll do our best to go faster. Um, If you'll read, I'll kind of skip over some more uh, some more of the Bible reading, um, as important as that is. So let me, let me close our time together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Um, some of the lessons uh, will hit us more powerfully than others, just depending on where we are in our life. But I pray you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that's eager to respond uh, to what you are trying to say to each one of us uh, through your word, through your spirit, in our hearts. Uh, would you speak to us, please? And may we be receptive, and may we then obey as soon as we've heard from you. We love you, and we thank you for this time together, and I pray a rich blessing on every person who's waited out this long time tonight. Would you bless them this week uh, in a very special, personal way? I ask you to do that, please, in Jesus' name. Amen.